Hey there, I'm Matt Tommy, and over the last 10 years, I've helped thousands of Christian artists all over the world start thriving spiritually, artistically, and in the marketplace, while at the same time building my own super successful art business. If you're ready to bust through the roadblocks that have held you back for years, create the work you love, and really live the life you know God created you to live in His kingdom, then you're in the right place, my friend. Now with over a million downloads, you're listening to the Thriving Christian Artist Podcast. Well, hey, friends, I'm so glad that you're with me on the podcast today. I've already started laughing and having a good time with my guest today, who is Ray Hughes, not only a dear friend, but also a significant spiritual father of mine. And uh, just really, uh, there's no way in the world that I'd be doing what I'm doing now in the kingdom without the influence of Ray and his friendship over the years. And so excited to have him on the podcast today. So, Ray, welcome. And uh, so glad you're here, man. Hey, me too, man. I've been missing you. You haven't seen <laughs> We're all this old COVID to... things is 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 kept us kept us apart more than normal, right? Kind of, kind of. I don't have to remind anybody of the insanity of what our world has become. So every now and then, to see a familiar face and ain't got something wrong with them, it's a pretty good idea. <laughs> it is. It is. We were talking the other day. And I was talking to somebody at church. I said, "Can we get back to talking about?" Uh, things other than our ailments is like everybody's talking. Well, I was a little sniffly. Well, I had a fever. Well, I had this. It's like, come on, this is this is getting crazy. Well, I'd rather have those conversations though than these. Where I've told somebody the other day, I said, I think we live in a day that people think a conversation and an argument is the same thing. That's the truth. That's the truth. And we all be uh, our our strength right now, and st- all these strong people out there. We need to be using our, our strength to be kind. Yeah, yeah, you that's know, the truth. That's know, the kindness, truth. Is, kindness is a force that has just about been drawn out of the world through all this. But then same, at the same time, you see people really revealing their truest self, you know, at, this, at the same time. So, you know, it's that tension uh, between the two worlds that are all happening in one. Yeah, creates- yeah, I love it. You know, I love, I was just thinking the other day, I, you know, I try not to spend as much time on Facebook as a, you know, as a <laughs> as little time as possible, and, you know, on social media and that sort of thing, because it can just be a flurry of overwhelm and that sort of thing. But I always love when I come across something that you've posted, because you have always seemed to be a person that really values solitude, quiet reflection, the poetic in life and, and that sort of thing. And these times, I think we find that just like a healing balm in, in all of us. Has that always been the way that, that you've processed life or as you've walked with the mm-hmm. Lord, has that kind of become the way that you've processed or? Yeah. You know, I, you know, I think before I came to the Lord, the way I processed life was to stay out of the way and survive. Mm. You know, it just seemed like, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I didn't fit or something. I think right. all artists have a sense of that, of, of um, whether they they may be where they belong, but they're still looking for it. Yeah. And but and uh, but you know over the years, uh, you know, first as a songwriter, I realized that uh, you know that like when I write poetry or when I write music, when I write a song, uh, songs and poetry should never sound like they were written. Mm. They should sound like something that just fell out of your heart and mind and made your life make sense. Mm. And so that's what I do uh, daily. I write every day. You know, I ought to have a hundred books, Matt. But I'm a, I'm an author. 
not, I'm an author, not a finisher. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I hear you. Because that's the way I, I process life uh, creatively. You yeah. know, and, and I, I mean, or technically I've written over a thousand songs. I ain't never finished a song in my life. <laughs> you know, uh, I've, I've probably written a thousand books, but I've never finished one. That's right. You know, because it's, it's the way I, I live my life around the process of creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And not always about you know, what's going to be on the, on the other end. What are you going to do with this book when you're finished? Well, I, I'm never, I don't get done with them, so I don't know. And because, uh, you know, same thing like if I, uh, if, an, if an artist walks in and looks at a, a, a piece of art on the wall that they did, and I guarantee you, when you, go, when you look at a basket that you made, right? you know, when you used to look at it, man, I wish I, I should have done so-and-so. I should have done this. Right, right. And I'm the same way with the song. Never finished one in my life. Because every time I hear it, I should have done so-and-so. So that, you know, that what is it, the old thing where I got, I've been diagnosed with ADD and OCD, which means that everything has to be perfect, but just not very long. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of the way I live. And, and, and I do, I process, I press, process my life artfully, I guess is the way you'd say. It. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what do you what, think that, you know, for, you know, my heart has always been to, you know, help artists kind of break out of that starving artist thing and learn how to, you know, monetize what they're doing, make a living from it. So they're not, you know, struggling from pillar to post and, and really can, you know, walk in the fullness of what God's got for them. At the same time, we all realize that there is a, a place of spiritual processing in our creativity. And one of the things that, that I think that, especially emerging artists, but I think artists at every level, there, there, there's a rush so many times to monetize things that we rob the beauty of what God's trying to just do in the creative process. And um, talk about how you balance that, because obviously you've made a living from your creativity over the years, uh, both in the secular world and, you know, as, as a believer, and you, you walk that balance very beautifully. It seems you hold it in tension at least, what does that look like for you? And, and what words would you say to those who are trying to find that balance in that? Well, you know, for me, it's been, uh, you know, you, you hear people talk about the uh, such and such as a lost art or a dying art. Yeah. I think all arts are dying. Mm. And I think they're constantly or consistently dying. And, uh, and because of that, they are continually being resurrected mm. and so every time that you do what you do if you consider yourself being one that's there to resurrect the only way you can resurrect it into a new day is is through the innovation that appeals to your own process that excites you and all of a sudden you've done these things a thousand times but you you move your process just a little bit and all of a sudden you're an innovator mm. so you're awake and aware you're, you, you know, you're an imaginator again. Yeah. And if we ever start losing that, if you, if, I, I, I'll say it like this, if, you're, if your job title has the word creative in it, you just stop being a creative. Mm. Because now you're drawn into production. Yeah. Other than partnership in the process. Right. And, uh, but innovation happens, I, I think, when brilliant uh, thinkers 
uh, choose to stop thinking and do the unthinkable. Mm. And a lot of what we do is we don't even have to think about it anymore. And that's, I think that's when we get, it gets to be a dangerous thing. Yeah. Uh, but so then you, be, then you uh, become uh, imitators, <laughs> imitating the imitators that were imitating the emulators. Yeah. And sooner or later, we all wind up being imposters and there's no pure creative process coming out of our life that makes us come alive again. Right. And, and, and it's, a, it's a bit like what writers, you know, writing, if you're going to, if I'm going to write words that move someone with my poetry, if I'm going to write words that move you in any, any way, spiritually, intellectually, emotionally, uh, I'm going to have to be moved first. Yeah. And so to answer to your to your question is, is I look for the opportunities every day to be moved by a truth of mm. the word of God or moved by a revelation born out of meditation or contemplation, you know, and, and I, I, I do, uh, I, I do value solitude. Um, and sometimes solitude is misunderstood as isolation. You know? Yeah. I don't want to be isolation can be a, can be a dangerous and hurtful thing because you know you get to quit wrestling with your demons and start walking on them. You've got a different issue. <laughs> exactly. So I want to I want to constantly look for ways that 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 truth and life and and you know life can be lived and and I think that's we feel that the most when we when we're tr- being our truest self, which are the imaginators. Yeah, so. that's so good. I remember when I when I opened the gallery in Asheville, and I was I remember I had a conversation with you about that, and I remember you said something I never forgotten. You, you said you may remember it or not, but you said remember everything changes when you get a building, and and I, I that was so wise for me because it like for me that always kept in the front you know, of my mind, don't let the building, don't let the sales, don't let the, you know, the, the regular requirements and and pressure of all that lead what you're doing rather, you know, stay in that place of connection, stay in that place of, of creativity, make sure that you're going to for those walks in the woods, make sure that you're continually hearing the voice of the Lord, because it's easy for, I think all of us, especially creatives that are making their living either part-time or full-time from their art, is so easy to get into the the rhythm of what works as opposed to what inspires and what what causes you to to dream and come alive, like you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and and to me, um, uh, there's a lot of kind of like whatever titles or definitions have been slung around my life a little bit, but if you got down to the very bottom line, I just want to be one who inspires people. Yeah. I want, I want to be an inspiration, you know, and, uh, and you know, I don't know if you can read it or not, but I've got, can you read that board behind me? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. There you go. I kind of keep that. I kind of keep that in front of my life all the time. That anytime I'm going to speak or do art or write poetry or write yeah. a song, anything that I'm going to do, I look for, is it going to inform, mm. inspire, insight? What kind of insight am I going to bring to somebody's yeah. life through creative process and instruct? Mm. So those are kind of expected of me. I expect those to come yeah. to me. So I'm going to give myself to, uh, to healthy, uh, valuable information. If I'm going to inform, I'm going, I'm going to find the things that everybody's overlooked. Yeah. 
as best I can. I, I love to find hidden wells and, and those deep springs somewhere in a holler that nobody know you, knew you could drink out of. It's yeah. Some richest water you can find. And then, uh, but anyway, insight and inspire, uh, insight and instruct, because that's what gives us the ability to impact humanity. Mm. And, influ- and there's a big difference in the impact and influence. Yeah, yeah. And impact always sounds to me like it's percussive. Yeah. Strong, yeah. dynamic. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, wow, what yeah. an impact. But influence sounds more fluid to me. Mm-hmm. That's a river that runs over time. It's yeah. not, a, not a splash in the face that can be refreshing, by the way. Yeah. And that's wonderful. But if we're really going to be uh, do what we're here to do, it's not going to be commit. You're not going to commit it to a five year plan. Mm. It, it'll be a five hundred year vision. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a very different thing. We always try to condition everybody for goals and and tasks and so on. So we got to have a five year plan. I I'm not looking for a five year plan. <laughs> um, uh, if I'm not doing something that's going to influence generations later, it's it's like that old adage that says. Um, um, you know, when's, when is the very best time to influence a, a, a child? Yeah. Uh, well, about 100 years before they're born. <laughs> yeah. That's when if you really want to influence a child. You think multi-generational. Like yeah. That. And everything with your art, with that, you say, well, my art is not valuable enough to be prized in generations to come. You don't know that. Right. We don't know that. I mean, look at the Van Goghs and the people getting right. into the. They had no clue. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, you know, and they died eating on the lemon peel. You know, just <laughs> all they had. <laughs> Give me one more persimmon, and I'll make it. You know? I know, I know. But then you have impact, influence, and then the last one is impart. Mm. And I just get in these sometimes these little yeah word rollings and yeah. I think those. And uh, to to press in, see everything there's an in. Uh, to press in to life is to invest intelligently and intentionally. Mm, that's good. But anyway, I, I, there's a whole another big line of them there. That, uh, intercession, interception, intersection. We're in an intersection with heaven and earth, you know. Mm. Invasion. Yeah. Uh, who, who's invading who here? Yeah. And, and then of course inter, intermission. Interruption, interlude, inundation—all of those are, are are concepts born out of single words that we've all walked through in the last two years. Yeah, COVID, COVID has redefined this whole board. Yeah, that's the truth. The political systems—they're redefining it. The the media and and what it's doing—I'll say it, what it's doing to the world right now. Yeah, yeah. The impact is not as not what we wish it right, was. Right. There's your next unfinished book right there on the blackboard. See, that's. <laughs> oh yeah, I might just start selling blackboards. Exactly. When did when did you realize? Right, you know, you for those folks that don't know, maybe you can give a little history. But I mean, you grew up in rural Kentucky. I mean, you've got this such a colorful, beautiful story of of growing up and creativity and influence and that sort of thing, but. When did you start to realize, you know, that beyond just the kind of cultural, you know, influence that, you know, grew up around musicians and creativity and creative expression and that sort of thing. When did you start to realize the God connection and the transformative power 
of creativity and how does that still inform you today? Yeah. You know, I, I, it was honestly, Matt, I, I don't know when the transition happened. Mm. Uh, other than I, I think to some degree, all of us, uh, when we do something that, that other people values and somehow it excites them, that excitement comes back to us as, as in a, and hopefully in a healthy way. Yes. Our, some of our self-worth and identity actually can come fully alive and it be healthy. Yeah. Then we're not, we're not leaving God out of it. Mm. Knowledge, a gift that they're feeling the impact of. Mm. I don't know if I, I got that too much of a tangle to make sense. <laughs> but, but, you know, then we start uh, how it happened. Something happened with me. I, I had a one-eyed uncle. His name, uh, Uncle George. And uh, when he was a little boy, he was playing with them. They were all born in poverty. My mother was born in 1934, right? Uh, the first winds of the Dust Bowl were blowing across Oklahoma. And all of them were real. I mean, they were extremely poor. Uh, poverty on levels that we don't even know how to talk yeah. about much. Without going to some country that don't know how to spell poverty, you know. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> but I remember um, I had a one-eyed uncle George who could play guitar, and the reason he could play guitar is because an old hobo would come through Glasgow named Hat, and uh, and uh, that's all he knew. His name was his Hat, and which because he was always happy. And my my uh, uncle ran into him down Mom Brewington's restaurant. And he got up, and this old guy was carrying a guitar. And my Uncle George, being a young teenager, said, why don't you just come to the house? And sure enough, came home, and, and Hap became a hero because he brought music with him. Mm. And uh, so George watched old Hap until he started playing guitar. Right. And when he started playing guitar, Hap would take his guitar and lay it down flat and take his pocket knife and play it like a dobro. <laughs> and all kinds of wonder. Wonderment was happening in, in an otherwise very dull um, sure. uh, and sad, cold place. And so, but my Uncle George, then he never, from that day forward, he never met a, met a stranger. And he'd walk, he'd walk into the room, the lights would come on. And mm. he had um, jokes about being one-eyed. <laughs> and he would pull pranks on people with that eye, you know. <laughs> and, so he learned all kinds of intriguing ways for his creativity to come alive. But I remember as a little boy, uh, George, and George, he had an old J-45, like the one I got. Yep. He, he had an old J-45 Gibson, and he knew a, a million songs. Yeah, I mean, every word, and he just he could sing for hours and hours and hours, days, and never play the same song twice. Because mm. he had created a bank of wonder. Right. And, Inside that, and he could go anywhere the song would take him, and he would take you there too. Mm. And I remember a little boy uh, said, uh, uh, he got out, uh, got out the guitar one day, and he and my dad said, "Can you play that Wildwood Flower? Play Wildwood Flower for the boys." And uh, he did, and 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 then he said, "Oh, yeah, little footprints in the snow. Do you know that? One? Yeah, oh, yeah, sing that." And, and on down, he's he just, and here's what happened. My dad, I watched my dad's face, and I realized that that was the most excitement mm. 
emotional engagement because my daddy was a country scholar and he didn't show emotion. Yeah, yeah. But I felt what happened behind his face when my Uncle George played guitar. Well, that mm-hmm. day, became a guitar player in my mind. Wow. You know, and there's something about what, uh, you know, when we become amazed by what amazes our father. Yeah, yeah. Your life changes. And, uh, and, on, and on some level to this day, that's still the way I process creativity. And when I, when I do it from the place that I do it and where I live now, I'm looking for the opportunity to do that one thing that is so amazing in me that I know that the Father will be as elated. Where where's yeah. I, you know, you know, I don't know if I'm making sense or not, but you are. And I, you know, I, I always love the simplicity in which you explain things because it's, I think, you know, in, in today's world, especially among so many believers who are coming back to their art and hearing about the power of God through the arts and God wants to use your life and use, you know, your unique design, and all this sort of thing. There can be a lot of pressure that people feel to, for their creativity to be spiritual enough or prophetic enough or God enough or whatever. And I've, I'm, I'm, I, I, I know it comes from, from the seed that you've sown in my life, but I'm always like telling people, just do the thing that God's put on you because when you do that, you know, that's, that's where the life is, you know, assume that Holy Spirit is living inside of you, that you're flowing with him and that you're, you know, those smiles that you see on people's faces and that emotion that's being elicited, that's, you know, God's, God's using it. He's drawing you into that process. But I mean, just talk about that because I think so many times, especially in the church, we can just overcomplicate things and, and in an effort to try to make things, spiritual or, or prophetic or whatever, we run the Lord right on out of it. Oh, well, we, and we re- use religious jargon to do it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because the first place we go is, is comparison. Yeah. You want, you want to shut a child down, create that, shut their creativity out, create comparison into, into their vocabulary. Mm. Because comparison will always lead to competition. Yeah. And then here comes conflict and contention and Pretty soon, to win in this thing, we're going to have to conform to whatever those expectations are. Well, if they're, they're religious expectations, you know, oh, when so-and-so sings, man, now that's anointed. Right. All that is you were emotionally responding uh, to a particular style or a voice or a persona, not right. even necessarily the person, as much as that, that public mask that is their music. And yeah. that's a good thing. That can be a wonderful thing. I mean... I mean, I, I've heard people sing that, my gosh, I don't ever want to hear anybody ever again sing. I've heard sing now. I mean, you know, it's just that good. It's that right. rich. That's so alive that, uh, you know, my 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 hearing the singing is, uh, is taken care of <laughs> until I get to hear them again. You know, there are those kind of people that I just love to hear sing like that. Mm. Uh, but, but if we create competition and conflict, then the then the whole creative process has been derailed. Yeah. Because now we will find ourselves conforming to something that gains us that adulation from the from the audience or our market or whatever. And uh, and and so now we have ceased to grow creatively because now we will compromise to make sure that that need is met. Yeah. yeah. And, and and another another thing I think that really takes the life out of us is is criticism. Mm. 
uh, and I and and you and I, we don't, and most of us, we don't have to be concerned about other people criticizing what we do. They're not going to criticize. If they do, they're not our tribe, and we don't care. Right. <laughs> but where the where the criticism really takes its toll is when you criticize you, and I criticize me. And, mm. Oh man, we've all done said stupid things. Yeah, I'm I'm good at it. And uh, I'm experienced, but to to turn that very same kind of weight weightiness toward ourselves, we we start uh, shutting ourselves down. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't even know what the question was now, but that was a good answer. <laughs> it was towards a good answer. No, I think again, just this over engineering of I think trying to do things out of a, a, a spiritual perspective and, and, and over engineering it as opposed to allowing the Lord to lead us and, and be free in that process. I mean, that's. That's, that's beautiful. I've got some great old guitars uh, that 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 sound awesome. Look at like out of the thirties and forties. Yeah, great pre-war stuff. Uh, amazing instruments. And the re- and when they when you start looking back and you realize what made them such amazing instruments. Nowadays we have the technologies to do all kind of modal analysis on tones and timbres and and, and weights and density and right. finish used and what kind of glue was used to put the braces together. I mean, you know, they'll put them in like a cap scan machine and, and dissect these things down yeah. to a fine. Okay. And they, they re, and and then you get to the 70s, 60s and 70s, guitars lost their song pretty much mm. because everybody got a hold of them. And uh, and the hippies were playing them on the on the beach and uh and pretty soon they're they're their warranties were no good because of the way they were using these things. Because everybody had to get have a guitar. Because if you had a beetle haircut and a beetle guitar, you could <laughs> yeah. get girl. the girls would scream, and you had a future. <laughs> but that didn't last very long, and then all those made it their way under under beds because the girls didn't scream. <laughs> and they laid there all those years. Now you take those guitars out in the sixties and seventies, you realize. They were all they they sound terrible. And one of the reasons they did or do is because they were overbuilt mm. to accomplish the abuse of what they were supposed to bring. Yeah. And, I, and uh, but you listen to those old ones, man, uh, you know, paper thin tops <laughs> and, and the whole guitar, an old D18 from the 30s might weigh three pounds or four wow. pounds, the, the entire guitar. And I've got, and you pick that up. You play a big old drop D on that thing. It, it'll, it, you know, it'll blow a candle. Yeah, thirty. <laughs> because they're full of all of this uh, movement. Yeah. And what we what we wind up doing with our art again is we wind up overbuilding everything uh, to accommodate the wrong purposes. Mm. You know, uh, just just build them right. Yeah. And play it. And you don't have warranty issues and getting returned for all the work and that kind of thing. No, it's uh, so good. Yeah, I always wind up having to go back and start all over again because because of somewhere we were taking shortcuts, trying to get the book done, trying to get the record out, trying to get the this. Uh, and uh, and I think one of the things, the good things that COVID has given us is given everybody an opportunity to slow down. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't jump on another airplane every other day. Yeah. So well, slow down and do it right and enjoy the process. And yeah, I yeah. love that. Yeah. 
Hey, my friend, it's Matt. Listen, I hope you are loving this interview as much as I loved making it, but you're starting to see there's a lot more than it's just one episode. So actually, I'm going to sign off right now, and I want you to join us on the next episode where we're going to continue this great interview with my friend, Ray Hughes. I love you, friend. Thanks for being here today. And remember, until next time, you were created to thrive. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for spending a few minutes with me today on the podcast. Listen, I hope it's been a huge encouragement to you on your journey as an artist. Hey, also, before you leave, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of the other episodes of the Thriving Christian Artist Podcast. And also, be sure to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or at my website, which is matttommymentoring.com. Until next time, remember, you were created to thrive. Bye-bye.